it is time to stand for our call to worship. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for Himself, Israel for His special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does, in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of His treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders in the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage of, to Israel, his people. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And we call upon you, Lord. We know that you give us greetings and bless us. Be with us this day. And we just pray, Lord, that you would give us your word. Give us the words to sing to you that we would sing and raise up our voices to you. And it would be a pleasant aroma lifting up to you. Help us to praise your name and to, and to dwell in your house, Lord, uh, and, and fellowship with one another in, in, in beauty and in truth, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you are with us in all things, that we would have clean hearts as we come before you, and, and help us to honor you in all that we do. We pray these things in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. Or in Genesis 12, that's page 8. So our Old Testament reading is, is about Abram and his call of the Lord. So, Genesis chapter 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward 
Then again, we are in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, fairly long portion today. We've just spoken about Jesus calming the storm and the disciples being absolutely frightened from what seeing a, a full demonstration of his power over nature. And now we read about Jesus and a demon-possessed man. So, congregation, let us hear the word of the Lord. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting to the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim to the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So is the word of the Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would graft it into our hearts, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear that your word would live in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus had just, uh, last time we met, uh, had calmed the storm and frightened the disciples through the sheer power of his ability to control the wind and the waves, nature itself. They had not seen this yet. And they were frightened. And now he's crossing over for the Gerasenes. And we must remember as we get into this passage that that warfare is, is always ugly and costly. It's, there's always destructive consequences of battle. And Jesus has been battling. Let's understand this. It's been a spiritual battle that he has been fighting with Satan uh, his demons, the Jewish religious leaders, and, and even close family. Their hardened hearts have 
even caused Jesus to change the, the way he ministers. And now Jesus is, in a sense, maybe seeking refuge. And I wouldn't say he's fleeing, as we see so many people in this passage fleeing, but he is he's leaving for a time, crossing over, leaving Galilee. He's going to go be a light to the Gentiles. But this will be a battle and a war as well. And it will not be without cost and destructive consequences. So, he comes to the other side of the sea of the Gerasenes. And it very well may be, being that the high cliffs and everything, that, that this man living in the tombs has seized Jesus from afar and is waiting for him to come. And this demon-possessed man is rushing very possibly in order to accost Jesus and the disciples, to torment them, maybe even possess some of them. So they rush to Jesus. I should say, the demon-possessed man rushes to Jesus. And we understand as well that this land is a Gentile land. It's the other side of the the great sea of Galilee, and, and we read a little further down that there are there's a large herd of pigs, which is unheard of in Galilee or Judea. So this is a Gentile land. This man is living in the tombs. He was an outcast. He he could not be in polite company, so to speak. He was he was naked. He was beaten and bruised and would cry out day and night. And he was amongst the dead. An apt picture. This is almost a complete reconstruction of what happened in the garden, except a complete opposite. And the demons had this man in the land of death. Perhaps even by that, tormenting him, as, as Calvin said, and, and showing him what's going to happen to him because he is a man made in God's image and this is what Satan does to, to such people. He's tormenting him, torturing him. And the man is cutting himself and screaming day and night, this is just unholy, evil, wicked, and, and we see a lot of this behavior even today. You know, for years, now decades, there have been stories of especially teenagers who will, who will cut themselves and mutilate themselves. And it might well be an emotional issue, but let's always keep in the back of our mind that Satan always seeks to destroy God's people, to mutilate them. He seeks to destroy those made in His image. And He doesn't often change how He does that. So we have people wanting to mutilate themselves today and cut themselves in many different ways. So keep that in the back of your mind that this is, this is from Satan. And this man was unbelievably, supernaturally strong. They would chain him and then put metal shackles on him and they, they were nothing to him. Easily breaking the chains and busting the pieces, the shackles. I don't understand that. 
I can't understand how someone can bust a piece of shackles. That's that's a heavy, strong piece of metal. But he was able to do this, and he wasn't able to live in the city. He had to be consigned to the tombs, to the land of the dead, where such people should be. You can imagine that that the people probably in the town around at the Decapolis would tell their children, don't go down there. There's only death. And a demoniac, crazed man running around. And so this crazed man is rushing to Jesus. And Jesus tells him, tells the demon to come out of the man. And the man looks at him and says, and the demons say, we believe with the voice of the man, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Because Jesus had already commanded him to have the demons come out. He commanded the demons to come out. And as they got close to him, they realized this wasn't just some fisherman coming from the other side of the sea to come back to to the Gerasenes. No, no, no. Suddenly they realized that this is Jesus Christ. This is no ordinary man. And they knew the trouble they were in. So, we, we do have to understand that while we are in a, Jesus is in a war here, a spiritual war. I mean, there's not, a, there's not any kind of a doubt, you know, who has the power, who wins. And the demons realize this, and Luke tells us they're, they're appealing to Jesus to, to not send them into the abyss right now. They know that's where they're going eventually. They know that's their eternal home, but they still want to play. So please don't send us into the abyss. And this is this is just a uh, it's a really action action packed twenty verses. This episode here, and even the language is is kind of violent and action packed. I mean, there, there's a lot of pleading. There's a lot of leaving and fleeing. And here we have the first of the, of the pleadings as the demons plead with Jesus. Some accounts say there, it was almost worshipful how, how they went, a, went about this and, 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 and certainly can't worship the Lord. But, uh, but when he calls the demon to come out, they have to petition Jesus. No, please, don't. Don't torment us. Don't send us into the abyss. So Jesus asks them his, his name, the demon's name. And what does he say? We are legion. 
And that's how Satan talks today. He uses weird pronouns. Beware of weird pronouns. People know who they are. And they know how to use the right pronoun. And we have a difficult time with pronouns nowadays. And there is a place that that comes from, and it's not holy. The demons answer legion. And a legion is a military term, of course. And is normally 5,000 Roman troops. Or I should say that's, that's supposed to be the, the perfect number of a legion. 5,000 normally was two to 3,000 troops. Um, and there's no, this is no mistake that Mark is using a military term, legion. Because this is a battle. This is spiritual warfare. And as I said, this is pretty filled with action from beginning to end. And these demons, they don't want to be sent out of the country. Why? Well, they know where Jesus lives. They don't want to go into Jerusalem or Judea or Galilee. That's not going to go well for them. Maybe even some of these demons have already been cast out by Jesus. Maybe all these demons are in the demoniac as a to come together and ultimately to fight Jesus in one great big battle. <clears throat> they just didn't know it was going to be so soon. And they do not want to go back to where Jesus is casting them out left and right. This is the first time we have an account of Jesus running into some of them. 2,000 demons it looks like. And they want to be sent into the pigs. They begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying, more begging, they're always begging. Jesus is in control. He is the man. Satan is God's devil. Cannot do anything apart from from God's consent. And they say, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. Why does he? And Jesus gives them permission. Why does he do this? Why doesn't he send them into the, to the pit? Into the abyss? There's always a reason. And we've seen the power of this legion of demons. And we'll see them as they, now as they leave, he gives them permission and they, and they leave and they run into the pigs and they take the pigs and they run into the water and drown the pigs. They're fine. They, they can deal with water. Uh, but the pigs are dead. Because the demons want destruction and death. Even if, it's, even if they couldn't destroy that one man. They were able to destroy 2,000 pigs and run them into the sea and destroy possibly the livelihoods of, uh, of the people with the pigs. So why would Jesus do this? To demonstrate his great power. To demonstrate the 
these these demons may may have more strength than we do, but they are nothing compared to Christ and His goodness. And it's also to show how much He loves man over over pigs, over animals. Which even in today's day and age, that could be a controversial statement. That we are to love men and people more than we are to love animals. And so this display of power by Christ casting out the demons and they run into the pigs and and the pigs run off the cliff. Frightens the pig herders and they flee. We got demons fleeing. We got the pig herders fleeing. There's lots of fleeing or leaving in this episode. We started off with Jesus leaving Galilee. The demons flee from Jesus and the pigs. The pig herders flee. And then we have another account later on here where they ask Jesus to flee from them. This is a battle. It can be confusing and crazy. Going one way one time, another way another time. But Christ is there. And those in the Decapolis came out to see the situation. As the pig herders had gone into town and told them. And this crowd comes back to see what's going on here. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Yeah, there's... Spiritual battle was going on. It was destructive for the pigs, for the pig herders, livelihood and worse for their souls. They look at this situation, this man they knew, who had been possessed for a long time, we're told. He'd been being abused by this legion of demons for for a long time. How long? We don't know, but it was more than just a few days. And he was abused and being destroyed and cut. And what frightened them was seeing this man clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in his right mind. That is what frightened them. The the real destruction here wasn't the pigs. It was the souls of the hardened hearts of the people who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The light had shined upon them, but they preferred their darkness. The the battles exposed their souls and their love for pigs against that of a poor demoniac tormented by Satan's army. And 
you know, the, the demoniac is is really a picture of all of us before Christ saves us. I mean, we're all in the land of darkness and Satan's kingdom, doing our will according to our depraved natures, out of our minds, not able to respond to the goodness of the Lord until He reaches down in His love and power and turns us to Him. So, so the people begged Jesus to flee. They asked Him to, to get out. He's just caused such destruction to the army of Satan here. And, and maybe even the when you think about the destruction of the pigs, that's, that's his first act upon the Gentiles is to say you, you shouldn't have these unclean animals. I'm going to cleanse this land before I, before I come into it. And the exercised man What's he been doing? Amidst all this chaos, we just have a picture of two people in control. Jesus and the former demoniac. Who is sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. And as you can imagine, he was grateful for what Christ had done. And he's the, the final beggar. But he is begging to be with Jesus. He wants to go with Jesus and, and sit at his feet wherever he goes and learn from the man, the Son of Man, who made him whole. And it's, it's, it's strange because Jesus has been trying to accumulate disciples all throughout Galilee. And, and what is Jesus' response to this man? No, you can't come with me. Why is that? Well, Jesus was going right back over to Galilee and that probably would have been a hindrance to the ministry best as we can figure out. And even more, Jesus had come to be a light to the Gentiles as well, had He not. The mustard seed was to be planted and to grow into a great tree. And that first seed is planted in the form of demoniac. And what does Jesus tell him? Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And did the man argue? Not that we know of. He obeyed Jesus, His Master, His Savior, the one who cast out the demons. And He went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. 
and everyone marveled. Just imagine you're an old friend of his and you just see him walk up to you. With clothes on. Not crazed, frothing at the mouth. And he just explains what Christ had done for him. And he's proclaiming as well. And in other words, he's, he's also going out and preaching in the Decapolis how much Jesus has done for him. And so the, the initial response to Christ's ministry to the Gentiles was, was horrific, confusing, and chaotic. People running everywhere. Pigs, people, demons running everywhere. But now, the Gospel has come. And though dozens, maybe hundreds or thousands originally rejected Christ in the tombs, in the land of the dead, now the living Word has been implanted into the demoniac. The power of Christ is going forth. And we don't go a whole lot further in, into this Gospel without seeing that these seeds that are planted, this mustard seed is going to grow into a great tree just from this one demoniac. So we, we see that, that this is a great battle. This is a war, but Christ loves His people. They are worth far more than 2,000 pigs. The pigs can run into the water and drown if it means he can save one man. I mean, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We'll read later on in the in the gospel. It profits nothing, of course. But how profitable is it for one man to gain his soul if the whole town loses its pigs? Our souls are worth so much more than flocks and herds and anything in the whole world. So Christ has now taken his battle to the Gentiles. Even if just to win this one soul, but we know we know it wasn't just one. We can all attest to that. And it'll be so many more. Let's pray. Father, you are good, and we thank you for for the blessing of your word. As crazy and as chaotic as it can be, and as confusing, we just pray that you would give us give us the wisdom to to understand it and to grow in the knowledge of it, and and to bless one another through it in the power of your Spirit. Be with us this day and help us always to be a light to the Gentiles wherever we go. Cause us to be in our right minds, Lord. And to sit at the feet of our Savior. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.